Welcome to Everyday Greatness, a nice little show proudly brought to you by major sponsor ARA Group, one of Australia's greatest supporters of community projects. Everyday Greatness is a show hosted by a real human being, talking to some real people about real human issues that will help make you feel proud again of simply being a good solid Joe Bag of Donuts. Here's your host, Barnaby Howarth. Welcome to Everyday Greatness and thanks for listening. This is a show designed to celebrate the greatness inside everyday people. So grab a drink, kick your feet up and settle in. Before I start today, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of Australia. I think acknowledging Indigenous Australians is far more important than just reading from a generic, impersonal script. So I'd like to acknowledge our traditional owners from the heart. I love being an Australian. So I'd like to honour those who came before us, those who share their land with us today, and those who follow us. As a white Australian, I'm flat out embarrassed at some of the things that have happened in this country in the past. So I'd like to acknowledge that I feel horrible for any pain that's been caused. But I'd also like to acknowledge how beautiful Australian Aboriginal culture, your past, your place in today's society and your future are. Thank you for sharing your country with us. Before I start our interviews, I'd like to thank our episode sponsors today, Entire Plumbing and Thornley Plumbing, for jointly sponsoring this episode. If you want a high-level, reliable plumbing service with a no-bullshit experience and two very good groups of people dealing with you every step of the way, you couldn't go past Entire or Thornley Plumbing. To have the best shower you possibly can, having just the hot or the cold taps on would be really uncomfortable. To make sure you get that best shower, the hot and cold taps need to work together. And the same goes in business. Trying to bring down your competition might mean you're the only, you're the only business in town and would make you the top dog. But if you're the only dog in town, your customers will suffer. As the saying goes, the customer is always right. So if you eliminate the competition in your business, in your field, you might be doing your own business a disservice. Some people say being, some people say being nice could, in business could leave them open to being taken advantage of. If you're only concerned about your bottom line, just not being a tool in business can boost your profits. My guests today, David Dighton from Thornley Plumbing and Mark Livy from Entire Plumbing, are direct competitors in the same field. But rather than try and undermine each other to get ahead, they're good mates who play AFL nines together and refer work to each other. David and Mark both understand that to give their customers the best experience, they need to work together, just like the hot and cold taps in the shower. This has no relevance to this introduction whatsoever, but it's a really good stat, so I'm going to bring it on. Both David and Mark are ex-AFL footballers. David played. David was the first Sydney-based AFL player drafted to the AFL and played for the North Melbourne Kangaroos. 
while Mark is a former Sydney Swan. So both of them know about ruthless competition. But at the same time, both of them are just flat out good family men and friends who work together as competitors. And David and Mark join me now. A lot of people justify being a good person in business because it brings them a strategic advantage and increases their profit margin. Others do it just because not being a tool in business is the right thing to do. David Dighton from Thornley Plumbing is an old school business owner. A lot of the lessons he imply, a lot of the lessons he uses in his business came from his time at the North Melbourne Kangaroos AFL club. David takes pride in his performance, gives his best at every contest and never gives up. He also understands that you don't have to like your opponents, but you have to respect them. David often tells people he was so good as a footballer that he felt like he had no opponent. But he understands that competition made him a better player. It kept him honest, made sure he worked hard and didn't take anything for granted. And Thornley Plumbing is run in exactly the same way. All the staff there pride themselves on hard work and integrity. And it's a lot more than just a sexy marketing terminology. That's how David rolls himself. And I'm honoured to say that David Dighton joins me now on Everyday Greatness. David, welcome. We'll get into business and plumbing in just a second. But firstly, how good was that Kangaroos team you were drafted to? Who were some of the players um, in that team? Oh, look, it was... When I got there, it was actually pretty rubbish. Um, I think they'd they'd finished low in the ladder the year before. They were in the midst of uh, uh, searching for a new coach. It was the end of Wayne Schimmelbush's reign um, as coach, and um, during the early parts of 1993, they poached Dennis Pagan from um, Essendon. He was the um, assistant coach at Essendon. And they poached Pagan from uh, Essendon to to try and bring the the ruse some sort of uh, I don't know some sort of credit because they were I don't think they were in in great shape. But it was the first year of uh, King Carey's reign. Um, he was captain. He was twenty two. Um, it was a big show. And uh, look, it was as a seventeen year old kid who all I ever wanted to do was play pro football. Um, it was surreal. You, you you turn up to the locker room and there's all these greats that you, you've watched on TV um, that you've idolised and all of a sudden, you know, you're sharing a locker room with them, sharing the, you know, the blood, sweat and tears of the game. So it was pretty full on. Um, you know, there was uh, Wayne Carey, Johnny Longmire, Glenn Archer, um, Anthony Stevens, Anthony Rock, um, Wayne Schwoss, um, Darren Crocker, the Shoal brothers. There's a lot of, you know, AFL royalty, definitely North Melbourne royalty in that list. But, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. It was a good time. Only a very short time, sadly, but it was a good time. Did you get to sit down and chat with any of those legends yeah, you just spoke about at the footy club? Session, um, we were at Trinity Grammar and... It was pre-season and they were just doing the, the age-old drill where you have two lines and coach in the middle that rolls the ball out. 
and you just have to hip and shoulder and, and fire for possession of the ball. And uh, I got paired up with John Longmire. Now, when I got drafted, I was my height, so just under 6'6", and 75 kilos. So there wasn't a great deal of me um, uh, when, when it comes to stature. But um, uh, And I got paired up with Johnny Longmire, and ball rolls out, and I thought to myself, right, are you really going to have to lean into this? That's, that's the horse, the big fella. And I leant in and ricocheted off him like a pinball and dropped my head, got to the back of the line, and he came back to the back of the line and he said, chin up, mate, lift your head. We've all gone through it. He'll be fine. And that was sort of my first experience with, well, one of the big names of the AFL. Outstanding, the big horse. The big horse. Outstanding, the big horse. So when you were delisted by North Melbourne, did you have a plan B or were you flying by the seat of your pants oh, look, back then? <clears throat> when I got delisted, it was very different to the way things are now. Um, and ever since I was a little boy, because my dad had a, a very short stint with Essendon, ever since I was a little boy, all I ever wanted to do was play pro footy. I, I worked as hard as I could to get there um, and I finally did. And I think that I got to, I got – Initially, I got delisted because I had a, a growth disorder in my back and I failed my final fitness test and um, they had other players like Corey McKern and uh, Matty Capuano and guys like that that were fit and healthy. And so I, you know, they broke the news to me just after the grand final, which North Melbourne were in the, in the reserve grade grand final against, um, against Melbourne that year. And, yeah, they basically broke it to me on the Monday after that. And I was shattered, absolutely shattered. An 18-year-old kid that, you know, was able to reach his, his dream goal only then to have it taken away um, was, was shattering. I, I did reinstate myself back into the draft um, but wasn't picked up by anybody in Melbourne um, and returned to Sydney and did pre-season with the Swans. Um, but I think immaturity and uh, my mental status at the time didn't allow me to perform at the best. And yeah, that was that was the end of it. So it was <laughs> short and sweet, but that was it. To the Swans' detriment, no doubt, Dolster. So let's well, let's talk plumbing now. When you set up Thornley Plumbing, what sort of business did so you want I, it to be? I was working for a company um, who I'd done a, a, the bulk of my apprenticeship with and I always wanted to go out on my own. And a friend of mine who'd already owned Thornley Plumbing or had started it probably 18 months earlier, he was moving to regional New South Wales and it just happened, all the cards aligned and, and, and it just happened that... Uh, when Matt was leaving, I was looking to to go out on my own. So I ended up purchasing Thornley Plumbing off him, mainly the name. There was some some goodwill and some work attached to it, but it was mainly the name. But, look, I, I grew up in Thornley um, and I wanted to create a business that um, I guess I didn't have to – I didn't have to reach for work via advertising. I wanted my reputation and my name to – Proceeders enough that people would seek us out through reputation as opposed to just 
scrolling through the book and, and going for the first name that they came up with. Um, predominantly, I mean, I've, I've been in business since 2003 and the first five years we advertised and probably since then 99% of our work has been referral, word of mouth or just the simple fact that we do such a good job, we just get continually get the repeat business. And is the business you're running today staying true to those ideals, those very genuine ideals 100%. you had when you set I'm, the business up I mean, initially? My grandfather had a lot of influence um, over me with regards to he he was a perfectionist and I've always been a perfectionist and that that's has its good sides and its bad sides. Um, but he he always used to tell me that if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And he always used to tell me it's okay to make money, but you have to be fair about the way you do it. And um, I mean, look, and I, I know Mark would attest to this too. We're not the cheapest guys in the world, and we never will be because you can't buy what we deliver um, at the cheapest rate. It just you, you can't have that. Um, and I'm very fussy about staff that I put on. Um, we vet them reasonably uh, thoroughly over anywhere between a three or a six-month probationary period to ensure that they are the right fit. And if they're not the right fit, we move them on. We, over the last six or seven years, we've um, acquired a very, very specific um, clientele and those clients expect um, the best. And I need to make sure that as a business owner, we deliver that to them. It sounds as though you do. Now, you mentioned Mark Livy just a second ago. <laughs> That's exactly my point. Mark Livy at Entire Plumbing is your direct competition. Why Why don't you hate him and try and do dodgy deals behind his back well, I didn't to stab him like in the back so start, you can get ahead? But, um, no, look, I mean, the, the thing with the thing with running – businesses in local areas. I mean, unless you're unless you're a huge multi-billion dollar business, everybody has to kind of work together. And, and you can you can you can look at it in two ways or you can attack it in two ways. You can either go out there as wanting to be the solo guy that gets everybody's work and and um you know talks trash about other companies behind their back just to be able to secure work or you can um take the moral high ground and be ethical and utilise other companies around you when you need to. And, and it's not using them, it's utilising them. And I think, you know, Mark's and my business are both probably small to medium businesses and you get periods where you get a such a, a large influx in work that you can't physically complete that work. But the last thing you want to do as a business owner is give that work away. So what a lot of us do, and, and Mark and I specifically, is we will call each other up and say, hey, listen, I can't get to this job. Can you get to it for me today? You invoice me. I'll invoice my customer. That way we keep the customer happy. Um, we keep the customer as our client and the work gets done in a, in a timely and efficient manner um, by somebody that we trust. That's a lot of trust. 
Working together in business sounds very scientific and strategic. Is it? Do you and Mark have regular meetings to ensure both businesses benefit from your relationship? Or is it as simple as being the fact that you see each other a lot, but you just make sure you have more interactions where you don't mind each other than you Look, do when you hate each we other? We don't really have business meetings. I mean, we're not. We've got enough of our own, enough on our own plate to to deal with as opposed to catching up and having business meetings. I think the ground rules are set out pretty early. So when we started sort of working with each other, the ground rules were set out pretty early. And I think the biggest thing is is for for me, it's about servicing the client. So, you know, I don't I don't expect Mark to um to reduce his costings for me. And I don't believe he he expects the, the same of me. What it's about is servicing the client and, and keeping the client happy so that that client returns to you when required. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of guys in the local area that are all good good guys and, you you know, I have a few in my circle that, that I trust with my business. I mean, I have a rule of thumb that if I was to do a job for Mark, for example, and his client said, look, can I have your details just in case something goes wrong? Um, we have a very um, direct answer to that, and that is, no, you can't. Um, you're Mark's client. If there's any dramas, you ring Mark. Mark will ring me. Um, we don't hand out business cards. We don't hand out numbers. We're there representing Mark's business, and he's there representing my business. And it's basically when I need him, his, his company is an extension of mine, and when he needs me, I'm an extension of him. Um, we, you know, we don't vie for each other's work. And I mean, we've we've had recently. We just had a, a perfect example of that, where uh, inadvertently I was called in to have a look at a site um, that we have done domestic work on, and Mark does the strata work for this particular site. Now I didn't know that at the time, um, but because we'd done some domestic, or we'd completed some domestic works there for uh, for some of the owners personally, they asked if we would come in and have a look at the job, and. It was it was really it was really simply just based on the fact that they wanted a second opinion, and I walked in, had a look at it. The job was done well, but there was there was no issues with it. They just wanted a second opinion. They just wanted to know that that what they were getting was was fair and reasonable, and, and it was. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I then found out it was it was Mark. Right at the end, they presented me with his invoice and costings and things like that. Um, but I'd already given them half of my half of the, pretty much all the information that they needed before I even knew it was him. And I, I basically just finished off by saying to to the strata manager or, or the on-site manager that you know I felt that Mark was an extremely ethical plumber, and that um, I didn't feel that he would in any way shortchange um, these clients. And I think that you know the strata manager needed to convey that. Plumbers are never going to be cheap. We spend anywhere between six to ten years learning what we do, and sometimes more. I mean, I personally have done ten years of study to to get the qualifications that I have, and I'm sure Bibbs has done the same thing. But you know, so there's a lot to know about plumbing. There's a lot to do with safety, health, um, so on and so forth. So I think you know, in this particular instance. They were they were they were really just concentrating on cost, and it wasn't that it was 
It was the quality of the work, and the quality of the work was good. Thorn Lead Plumbing is a very, very much a family business. Your wife pretty much runs the show. Do you ever feel like you're just her just assistant? I just need to check whether she's within earshot. No, she's okay. <laughs> um, no, look, when I very first started, um, I wanted everything done a very particular way, and that's that's part and parcel of being a perfectionist. Is that there's, there's often only a handful of ways to do something, and they're all yours. Um, and I found that early in the piece, I lost good clients because I couldn't. I was servicing them well from a plumbing perspective, but I couldn't keep up with the, the administration side of things and the operational side of things with with regards to the work required in the office. And I tried and tried to do that to the best of my ability and couldn't do it. And that's when I sort of said to Edwina, because she has a, a background in in HR and things like that, and she's, she's exceptional on computers. She's got a fantastic um, manner with clients. And she basically came on board to run all of the, the admin side of things, uh, scheduling. So she deals with all of our high-end clients on a daily basis. And I mean, they love her. She's, she's always had, um, you know, a fantastic manner with people and she's, she's funny. Um, so yeah, look, without her, our business wouldn't be what it is. There's no questions about that, but she's a terrible plumber. Have either of your daughters expressed any Have either of your daughters expressed any interest in taking over the family my business daughter, when they grow up? That was a big hard no. Uh, my youngest daughter, Marley, said um, I said, Look, would you like to take over mum and dad's business? And she said, I don't want to I don't want to touch poo, Dad. But I'll just drive around and pick up all the cash and checks. So, so look, there's there's potential. There's potential. Very smart girls. Um, the business world seems so serious these days. Are you ever tempted to try and make Thornley Plumbing an empire? By taking down the little guy and becoming one of the world's super rich, no, like no, Elon Musk or Richard Branson. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I I aspire to be great at what I do, but um, I don't I don't want to do that. No, I I, I want to have a business that is sustainable. I want to have a business that can create a lifestyle that I think I've, I've earned. And I know that may sound selfish, but I work hard every day. Um, I take phone calls up until, you know, nine, ten o'clock at night. I respond to emails, weekends, you know, I feel I've earned the right to enjoy the spoils of my business and um, and and I want to create a, a life for my daughters and for my family that is that allows them um the best that I can provide. And I don't mean that, that I'm going to give them everything. I just, I mean, I want to give them the opportunities. I think for them, it's going to be a lot harder than what it was for us growing up. And I want to be able to provide the best opportunities that I can for them so that they, going forwards, they can be the best they can be. Um, but I don't want to have an empire. I don't want to be, I don't want to have 30 trucks on the road because that's, 
that's 26 more headaches than I've already got. Beautiful. Beautiful. Why do, why do you bother making sure you abide by certain ethical principles at Thornley Plumbing? A lot of the world, especially the business world, seems to have no problem operating without human decency. So why is it important to you that your business maintains old integrity? School, old school barns. It's, it's the way I'm wired. It's the way I was brought up. Um, you know, I don't see there really any other way. I mean, there's, look, Liz and I see a ton of, we come across a ton of work from other plumbers that is just horrendous. Um, and you do, you constantly question how can these guys do what they do? Some people are wired like that. Some people aren't. I, I, I like to be able to sleep at night. Um, I like to be able to walk down to my local shops knowing that nobody's going to be looking at me going, oh, that's the grub that ripped me off or that's the, you know, they're terrible plumbers or this and that. I think it's important to me to do the right thing. Just I don't know that may sound cliche, but it is. It's important to me as a person um, to do the right thing. And I think that's it's, it's as simple as that. Very well said. What is your relationship with Mark outside of work? We some nines footy together. Um, I mean, we, you know, we, I mean, look, we're, we're mates. With, I mean, you know, he's got his close circle of friends and I've got my close circle of friends. But if Mark ever needed me to help him do something, I'd always happily do it. I'd always be there for him. I consider him a mate and a good mate and, you know, somebody that, we'll put it this way, if he's somebody that I trust with my clients and my business, then, you know, that, I think that in itself speaks speaks volumes. I mean, um, you know, we don't, we don't see each other a lot outside of, outside of, I guess, industry things. But I mean, look, he's, he's even doing work at my mother-in-law's house. It's specific to part of his business and it's stuff that we don't do. And when she asked us who we'd recommend, we recommended him um, because, and, you know, I mean, the last thing, every man knows the last thing you want is an infuriated mother-in-law. So Lives knows that he's holding my livelihood in his hands whilst he's doing my mother-in-law's bathroom. But, um, but look, yeah, I mean, we, we catch up. We might catch up for a beer and, and you know, that type of thing and catch up with some of our suppliers. Um, and as I said, we've played, we've played footy together. So, yeah, that's no, good. It's a good. It's a good friendship, I think. It's a solid one. Good luck with that job, Liver, on David's mother-in-law's place. <laughs> is is it hard? Is it hard to maintain a friendship with your direct competitor? Do you have to drag no. yourself along to those no, beers, with Liver? Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's it's easy. Conversation flows. It's you know we don't always talk about work, and it's it's, it's simple. It, there's no there's no arm twisting or, or difficulty in it at all. It, it's easy. Well, that, or at least from my perspective, I don't know what he'd say. He better say the same thing. What's your read on business these days? Do nice guys always finish last and does the squeaky wheel always Look, get the sadly, oil? Sadly, mate, there's a lot of big businesses out there that are continually ripping people off and 
I often say to myself, I'm tired of being the nice guy. I know, I know that contradicts what I said earlier, but you do because sadly, and, and it's a cynical view, but I think humanity has changed in, in the way it views itself. And I think that there's always a handful of people that are just painful to work for and work with. And if you're not, if you don't have some sort of ruthless bone to lean on, then you do, you get walked over. And, you know, it's t- it took me a while to realise that you have to be able to stand up for yourself. Um, I think social media also creates its own problems with the fact that, you know, like, I mean, Edwina has, I've had clients where I've just said, Edwina, right, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to write an email to this person and diplomatically let them have it um, because I'm, I'm infuriated with how they've treated us. And, and, you know, you have to be very cautious of doing stuff like that because the implications on social media can be um, so devastating. Bad reviews and you know, that type of thing, especially in local community areas where you work. So it's hard. It, it is hard being the nice guy. Um, but I look at it in the simple fact that if it's one or two rotten eggs out of, you know, a dozen um, boxes of eggs, then so be it. Well, David, you've made yourself and your business sound incredibly ethically gold and you sound like a really good guy and your business sounds like a really trustworthy business. But let me ask you one more question and see how you go with this one. If Thornley Plumbing was tried to make into one of those super profitable businesses that was ruthless and tried to bring the small guy down, you'd probably have to lay some people off. Who'd be the first person you'd lay off? Myself, because I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to look at my grandfather's picture, knowing that I was doing what I was doing, um, just to turn a dollar. I, I honestly, and again, it may sound cliche, but I don't have it in me. I don't have it in me to be that person that has no social or moral compass that you can just rip people off and close your eyes at night. I just don't have it in me. I mean, I will say one thing, and this is probably about as ruthless as I get. Um, given our relationship, Barnes, I'm a bit disappointed that entire plumbing was named before Thornley Plumbing as a sponsorship. Um, you know, Mark's younger than me, so I have seniority on him. Um, I'm far better looking. Um and, you know, you know my wife's not going to be overly happy with that, Barnes. So uh, that's about as ruthless as I do get. But, yeah, I would lay myself off, mate, because I, I honestly, I couldn't do what some of these bigger companies do. I just I don't have that in me ethically. Well, you already sounded pretty good, but you just made yourself sound better. David Dyden, thank you so much for joining me on Everyday Graduates. Thanks for having me. And good luck with Thornley Plumbing. My next guest today, Mark Livy from Entire Plumbing, helped the Sydney Swans win the 2005 AFL Premiership. The Bloods culture of the Sydney Swans 
was based on accountability of every person within the Swans for their actions both on and off the field, how they treated their other teammates, coaches, staff, opposition and competition from within was just as, how, just as important as how they played on game day. Mark Livy played for the Swans in 1998. He was in direct competition with guys like Adam Goods, Leo Barry, Michael O'Loughlin, Jared Crouch, Paul Kelly and Tony Lockett. So if competition made the Swans better and Mark Livy was their direct competition, it goes without saying that he helped drive the Swans to that grand final win. That might be a very long bow, but the point is Mark Livy knows about the importance of respecting competition. Mark and David's businesses, entire plumbing and Thornley plumbing, don't try and drag each other down. They work together to help both of their businesses get better. And I'd like to welcome Mark Livy to Everyday Greatness. Mark, welcome. Thanks, Barna. Good to be here, mate. Well, let's get straight into the footy first. In the interest of transparency, I should let people know that you and I were teammates at the Swans in 1998. Tell me how you felt on your first day at training, running around with people like Plugger Lockett, the greatest goal kicker in AFL history. Yeah, red hot buns. Any chance to give yourself a little bit of a, a little <laughs> bit of an up there? No. Uh, first training, I, I believe we probably drove in together because we only lived about ten minutes apart. Um, and I do remember driving down um, uh, at the front of the SCG back back in that day. The, the Swans trained on the SCG and their locker rooms were under the stadium. Um, and I don't think we could find the bloody door to get into the joint to get into the, the training sheds. Uh, we were very green, mate. Um, but we learned a lot in that year. Obviously, um, super daunting. We both had a lot of experience playing state footy and, and a bit of national footy in the Rams, and we travelled around Australia. But in that element of being again, like you feel like you're the kid in year seven, uh, trying to um, adapt and find your way, and it's very, it's very anxious and very nerve wracking when you walk into that room and see all those stars, as, as Dolly has explained. Very true. All right, you talked about the Rams earlier. You were the leading goal kicker in the national under-18 competition before being listed by the Swans. Did you feel like you were at the start of a journey to greatness when you were listed at the Sydney Swans? Uh, I did, mate. Um, But in retrospect, I believe, I don't think my mindset was quite, quite right. I don't think I was mature enough to sort of see myself uh, as probably that that in that role and, and to take the next step in that one year time period that we had there at the Swans. So, um, in a way, yes, because as as a kid, as as Dolly has said, you you want to play um, AFL your whole life. I grew up in Melbourne, and um, my old boy used to do a lot of work and, and uh, trade and draft work for Hawthorne, as, as did his father. Um, so we're, we're well cultured to um, want to be like that professional footballer. But I, I do feel like um, thrown into the deep end at the Swans really did sort of shake me up a little bit and I probably didn't grab it with both hands. Um, I probably went into that year maybe expecting things just to happen um, when, as we all know, um, if you don't quite put in that right amount of effort or direction, sometimes timing as well, um, things don't pan out the way uh, you'd like them to. Very true. The Bloods culture of the Swans is now a legendary uh, part of Swans culture, 
but it hadn't quite started when you were there in 98. Looking back with the advantage of hindsight, could you see the seeds of greatness in some of the young blokes you played alongside who were just kids in reserve grade at that stage? Yeah, definitely. Um, the main one that comes to mind uh, from when we when we were both there as um, 17, 18-year-old players um, was Adam Goods, and um, he got drafted the same year as us. Uh, Goodsy was a year younger than us. He got drafted under the 17-year-old um, rule. Um, and, look, when we were at the Swans, we had Damien Drum as the twos coach and Rodney Ede as the ones coach. And, uh, look, both of them are just lunatics. If anyone knows AFL and they know those two coaches, I, they're formidable and they're, uh, that pre-season training was just out of this world. I don't think you'll ever see that combination again. Um, and with Goodsy, uh, he, he, was, he was a superstar in the under-18s, as you well know. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, he, he was sensational, hence getting drafted as a 17-year-old. Um, and just just experiencing and watching Goodsy get pushed through preseason training and, and and the training during the year was some of the drills were um, a little bit upsetting. I've got to say because I have a feeling that um, the coaches kind of thought that maybe Goodsy was a little bit soft. Uh, and as we well know now through his career, far from it. Um, but there, there was one training session with Goodsy where I remember we'd just have two blokes on the bags and the coach would roll the ball through at, at your feet and you'd have to keep your head over the ball, pick up the ball with one position and keep it clean. And the guys with the bags would just flog you. Uh, you'd, you'd normally go back to the start of the line, but they kept pushing Goodsy back to the front of the line. By the time they were done, he had blood all over his face and, and I really felt for the poor bugger because I, I don't think he deserved it. But that was, as you said, that was probably the end of an era. Um, and then once the coaching staff changed there and, and I wasn't around, but um, you could really see how Ruzi and, and horses changed the way that um, the Swans have come about. And a, a lot of that as well has come from rookie players, rookie listed players that um, end up captaining the club. So um, they've, uh, they really did turn a corner in those early 2000s, that's for sure. Very true. Entire plumbing seems to be run on similar principles to the Bloods culture. Accountability, respect, hard work. Are there lessons you learned at footy that you use directly in your business? Um, not necessarily, but I, I, would, I would definitely say this um, – there's there's some correlations there, and and I think just dealing with good people is probably something that entire plumbing bases uh, um, a lot of their goodwill off. So we, you know, every business has A grade clients, B grade clients, and C grade clients, and you need them all to create cash flow and make the balance work. Um, we always obviously want to deal with A grade people. Uh, if our clients are A grade people, will they get A grade service? Um, we get paid well, every job's great, we deal with them well, there's a clear understanding of what's going on and everyone's happy. Um, unfortunately, there's plenty of dickheads in the world and we have to deal with them, but we just have to work out who they are um, and whether we want to continue dealing with them uh, with our business in the future. And I kind of, it's as simple as that sounds, that's how I feel about our dealing with people and clients and our business. You talked about the incident with Goodsy at training getting bloodied in a pretty sim uh, simple drill, in football, you're often told that you need to be better than your competition, not work with them. How is it that two ex-AFL footballers are happy to, to refer work to each other in business? Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Um, I guess in the end, 
uh, Thornley plumbing an entire plumbing aren't fighting it out for a grand final win every year. Um, our priorities are, um, I think, very similar in I want to create I want to buy time. I want to buy time for my family and um, by running my business and dealing with good people and, and getting paid well for it, um, my win is is buying time, buying time back. Um, so by having a great relationship with Thornley Plumbing and, and Edwina and Dave um, and his crew um, helps do that. It, it really does create that for me um, and we work perfectly together um, and there's not many businesses that can do it and there's a few other local plumbers up our way in Barrow we definitely bounce around with and it's um, it is really important to us I don't know from an outsider's perspective as to how you could understand that that works um, but I feel like if everyone was to bark against each other and um, undercut each other but we're only really bringing down the industry you know we consider ourselves to be, to be great Great plumbers, great businessmen, uh, and great people. So we should be rewarded for that. And by having David and his team with us and along for the ride where needed, um, you know, because we certainly don't lean on them too much, and vice versa. We we have we have quite a good base at each end. But when it's required, it does work really well. Very well said. As a plumber, when entire plumbing do bathroom renovations. Do you put much thought into the fact that when clients decide to renovate a bathroom, it's one of the most emotional projects they undertake in their entire lives and, and you realise the importance of it as the people that are providing it? Yeah, definitely. Um, patience probably isn't one of the better traits, um, but dealing with people who are renovating bathrooms, you really need to take that on board. A lot of clients are quite savvy and they already know what they want to do and it makes my life really easy because I'll walk into a quote and they'll just tell me exactly what they want and they already have picked out everything under the sun and they have a really good tack for the design element of it. Um, that's fantastic. I'm not much of a designer in that regard um, and we don't like to delve into it too much. So if a client is in a position where they uh, are looking for insight from me, I'm happy to give it to them. Um, but generally that will create a lot of time and a lot of questions and toing and froing. Um, and again, the patience kicks in. Um, and I can't decide for them what they're after, especially if they are emotional and they do have different tastes. And I need to get to know that client really well to work with them in regards to giving them exactly what they're after because you are spending a lot of money in your house um, and you only want to do it once well. You don't want to be doing these things all the time. So, so far in the in the five or six years we've been doing bathrooms, um, everyone's been really happy as far as I've heard um, and we're giving everyone what they want. Good result. Mm. How important has your own family been under your mum and dad in helping you define success today as a grown man? Uh, as a man, yeah, huge. Um both my mum and dad are very similar. They're, they're, as Dolly said, they're probably from um, they very hard, very hard parents. Um, as I grew up, there's not much softly, softly. Um, there was, as I said earlier, I said, you don't want to deal with the dickheads, you know. Um, cut to the chase. There's there's no real wording people up and working around people and, and pussyfooting around. Um, look, you can't run a business like that, but... Um, for anyone that knows me, um, I, I do cut to the chase, and sometimes that um, that cannot be a good thing. Um, but at least people know where I stand, um, and it can come off the wrong way sometimes. But um, that's how I was brought up, and, and I like it. Um, I don't have to worry about too much because um, everything's out in the open for me, so it's very easy, mate. 
And following on from that, how important do you think your influence is on your own family, your wife and kids, in helping them define success in their own lives? Yeah, um, I think for the kids, uh, I, I believe my parenting style and Christy's parenting style is very similar. Um, we're certainly not hard on them, but we, we certainly don't want them to have anything for free. We want them to respect that nothing comes for free uh, and that things need to be earned. Um, and that's a really hard thing to teach them because, um, you know, my youngest is eight. I've got three daughters. Um, to try to keep this instilled with them. I mean, we've, we've taken them to Disneyland a couple of times, so it's it's such a it's such a weird thing to sort of spoil them, but at the same time say this this comes you know not from nothing. We've had to really work hard and put ourselves in a position to do this, and unfortunately, the kids that you know they don't naturally see that, but we are trying our very best to make them to make them realise that um, nothing in life comes for free. This is very wise. Let's go back to footy for a second. You captained North Shore to three successive premierships in the Sydney AFL. But before we get on to that, let me take you back to the year 2000. How did you go in that grand final? Yeah, I, I, maybe we should focus on the flags that we have won. Um, no, nah, 2000 was a tough year. Uh, we should, I actually was messaging my mate Jason Bush who played for North Shore um, and he was a part of a big stink at halftime in the 2000 grand final. Um, I, I actually wasn't around um, on the field in the area. I didn't see too much of the blue, but I, I did hear it was a monster. Um, but, yeah, Pena got us that year. Um, that was our first grand final uh, of seven in a row, I believe. Um, and we got tailed up. We did. You, I think you put 10 goals on us in, in the first half, so we were never coming back. Um, and that's a, that's a tough loss because uh, for anyone that doesn't know, North Shore and Pennant Hills in that area, era, uh, were absolute arse rival enemies. You know, the week-to-week games, there'd be a punch on um, every quarter. It was huge, but also a lot of mutual respect. Um, but I believe when I finished my career, um, in the end, it's a little bit like Dolly and I, um, Penno and North Shore were actually quite better mates. They're very similar clubs. Uh, they don't have a lot of money and they play f- they play for their heart and sleeve and um whereas a lot of other clubs we, we like to beat, and I'm not going to say their names, but Barnes and I know exactly who they are. That's very well put, very well said. We certainly were, North Shore and Pennant Hills certainly were competition that couldn't work together early on back in the day. So you've st- you mentioned Jason Bush there. You've still got friends from North Shore and the Greater Sydney Aussie Rules competition? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you do, Barnes, I know you, you would have your groups out of um, out of your club footy, um, and I think as well. Look, I don't know how, uh, how you, what yours are like and, and whether you're in touch with them, but I assume you are because you're you're a legend, mate. You're a legend of that, of that club. So um, we do. There's there's some um, there's a group of guys who um, are on a couple of different chats. Actually, there's a, there's an older group of guys um, which we um, hang out with and chat and go away and play golf with um, Ducky and. Tommy and Michael Hosky and a couple of old coaches, uh, Bushy and Ryan Meldrum, we get on a good chat and we like to get out and play golf and get on the piss and carry on. Um, and then there's another whole big bunch of boys, uh, Matty Parker and Colkey and Benny Carlin and that crowd. Um, there's quite a big chat we have there and we like to do the same. We like to get away and catch up um, and reminisce and take the piss out on each other on our um, four flags that we've won there at North Shore. And why have those enduring friendships been so important to you in your life? 
Well, you grow up with these guys and you go through, um, you know, some of them, the Paul Fowlers and the Nick Egans of the world. Um, these are guys I've played with at St. Ives as a junior. Um, and, and we're growing together. You know, we've known these kids since I was 10, 11 years old and played rep footy and travelled into state and done all these wonderful things and, and become quite close mates. Um, and then when you go to senior footy, obviously that's a new world. Uh, and, and to win flags with some of your best mates, I couldn't think of anything better. Um, as, as I know you've experienced and you've, and you've captained your club and, you know, all those magical feelings that um, you get from club footy um, and uh, the relationships you make from not so much just footy, it's, that's my element, but I know from team sport um, it's huge. You can't replace it. It's, um, it's, I, I don't know what I'd be as a person without it. I, I, don't th- I think I'd be, be soulless. I, I don't know. It's very true. I can't say you're being soulless, though. <laughs> a lot of people, it's hard to explain the quality of these enduring friendships to people outside the circles that don't have them. Are there lessons you learned about these friendships through football that you still use in your everyday life and your business? Um, I'd say yes. It's not something I make, I consciously think about. Um, but I think, again, by just having good people around you and over all that time and what you've put in and invested in in the flags and, the, and your teammates and the training and um, creating some success, they're all things you take to your business naturally and I don't think it's something I um, consciously have directives at. As Dolly has explained as well, you, you have your own ethics which just come naturally and you surround yourself with good people Um Success is it's not easy to come by, but I think it does come easy in a way because you've already set yourself up by being around good people. I think if you hang around the wrong people and you and you have the wrong directives, you're almost destined to fail. Very wise man. You have captain flags at North Shore. You've played a season at the Swans. Looking back with hindsight, what do you remember most proudly about your time as a footballer? Yeah, look, my answer isn't playing at the Swans. Um, I actually have a little bit of disappointment there purely because I just didn't develop and and kick on to where I probably would have liked to have. Um, Doesn't take anything away from what I've done, that's for sure. Um, Very proud of my folks, uh, as every kid is, with punting you around and the support. And um, as a parent now, I do actually understand how much hard work that is. uh, the, the highlights are definitely the flags with North Shore, um, winning a couple of back-to-back and obviously captaining a couple and having the respect of your teammates. Um, and, look, a lot of those flags didn't come easy, especially the last one I think I got cleaned up. I missed a mad Monday, which was um, not real fun, um, but um, a couple of rough couple of rough trips around there. But, look, you know, I, I gave as good as I got and I think I probably came out square in the end with that regard. Let's go back to business for a second now. Have you ever been tempted to do a dodgy and shard somebody for five hours when you were only there for three? Is that tempting? Uh, no, I'm too busy for that. Um, we, we've got that much work to get through most of the time, but um, we're just chasing our tail and, and getting through it. Look, again, with the ethics, um, as, as Dolly sort of expressed, um, you're going to deal with people who sometimes think that maybe you have done that and you have to actually justify your time um, to a lot of people. Um, and that's fine and that's quite easy. We have the systems in place where the guys log in and um, we, can, we can show where our times are and hours. 
you're not going to win them all, though. You can't you can't please everyone. So that's a very hard. Um, it's probably one of the hardest things in in our in our business, being that we charge by the hour. But no, not 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 when you're looking to um, have return clients and and do the right thing and build your business um, on all the right things. Sport is often used as a metaphor for business practices. Looking back now, with the advantage of the hindsight and wisdom you have, knowing how cutthroat professional sport is these days, would you rather have made it at the Swans and played in that 2005 grand final, or are you happy being a plumber? Oh, it's a pretty easy one, mate. I, I 100% would have loved to have kicked on and um, played a couple of hundred first-grade games in AFL footy. Um, that's what I would have – that was my dream as a kid. Being a plumber, it's not the end of the world. I, I can't honestly say I enjoy it that much. I am a good plumber, otherwise I wouldn't have the business I have. Um, but I say to a lot of people, a plumbing business is no different to any business. It's just creating and giving a service that you're good at and you can justify a certain hourly rate to be paid. Um, it could be electrical, it could be marketing, it could be graphic design, it could be anything. In the end, as long as you provide something that people are willing to pay for, um, that's where I met. Um, I think Dolly may differ. He, I think he may enjoy his plumbing work side more than I do. Um, not to say I'm as, as, as not invested as, as he is with his business, but um, I think we just look at it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Now I can't, I can't let you leave without asking you, who's the better plumber, you or David? Ooh. Jeez, I'll just say, David. It's just it's just easier to keep the peace. I think going forward. Uh, no, it, look, and to be fair, look, David's got a lot more experience than me. He's at least another eight or ten years older than me. Uh, no, I think he's about four or five years older, and he has been around a lot longer. And uh, it would be remiss for me to think that um, anyone is a better plumber than anyone. We all have um, a lot of different experience and lot in doing a lot of different work. Uh, Dolly has a, a lot of high-end experience dealing with gas, commercial gas, whereas I'm not that well experienced with gas work. Um, and that's a, that's a huge thing in the plumbing industry, gas and the compliance that comes with that and the safety, and Dolly is all over it. So if I have any dramas there, I'm always in his ear, and especially in regards to the specs with that. Um, but in saying that, I'm, I'm obviously our business is a lot more experienced in bathrooms. And um, as Dolly has mentioned, he's referring us into a couple of bathrooms constantly. So um, that's an area of his business they haven't delved into. And it's something that I just enjoy um, and it works for us. So uh, every business is, is definitely a little bit different in how they go about things. So, um, but um, yeah, I'll, look, I'll give it to Dolly. I'm happy to do that. That's very diplomatically said. Well, thank you, Mark, and thank you, David, for joining me on Everyday Greatness and sharing your pearls of wisdom. Good on you, Barnes. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to the ARA Group for being our major sponsor for the fourth year in a row. Thanks to Thorn Lee Plumbing and Entire Plumbing for jointly sponsoring this episode. Thank you to Look Studio Australia for recording this episode. And I hope that when you put your device down in a little while, you lift your head up, push your shoulders back, and walk down the street proud of being an everyday Joe Bag of Donuts. I hope you can join us next episode where I'll be speaking to the CEO of the Northern Suburbs Football Association, Edward Ferguson, and the founder of Gotcha for Life and men's health advocate, Gus Warland. I'll be speaking to them both about how you can be proud of not being a dickhead. Thank you again. To find out more about everyday greatness, go to our website, 
www.everydaygreatness.com.au or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube or LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening.